Welcome to Innovators Unleashed, where we explore the minds of groundbreaking thinkers and creative problem solvers. Your host, innovation expert, Clinton Henry, will dive deep into the world of innovation and digital transformation, engaging with thought leaders from around the globe. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking to Drs. Todd and Kim Saxton. Both are award-winning professors at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business, as well as co-authors of the book, The Titanic Effect. The book serves as a practical guide to help startup founders, as well as their investors, successfully navigate the icebergs that so often sink startups in the ideation and early stages of development. Let's dive in. Great. So I'm so excited that have you all on today, you know, in, in conversations I have with other leaders, we're always talking about blind spots and what our blind spots are. And in your book, you use this lovely metaphor of icebergs. And can you talk about the typical blind spots that, that startups are having to navigate that they may not be aware of? Sure. So uh, as, as you note, with any kind of innovation, whether it's a startup or even corporate innovation, we tend to be aware of a certain set of things that we look for, right? And that could be metrics like return on investment or, or whatever. Um, but it's really the hidden or, or what we refer to as hidden debts uh, that, that both startups and other innovators uh, kind of incur uh, that are unanticipated, right? That that they don't appreciate in advance until they've actually hit that iceberg, and and sometimes with uh, very very dramatic consequences. So w- when you say debts, I mean we talk about technical debt mm-hmm. uh, quite often. Is, is that what you're mainly referring to, or or, or or other debts as well? Exactly. I mean the concept of technical debt in software is that you know as you're starting to build something you uh, you have problems that you didn't anticipate it can't really stretch to the long term but we were uh, we got this idea from a tech entrepreneur um whose business was you know solving t- technical debts for companies and um and we were like wait a minute there are marketing debts and there are human debts um and so you know my classic example was the, the titanic which the book is named for where you know you have this huge boat it was the largest you know ship to sail across the atlantic that had ever been designed so you need a lot of people so what they did is they really had three classes or really three different segments of people people looking to accomplish different things in the same footprint Right. So we had these super luxurious, they would have been like $100,000 today um, suites. And so what people need in order to be able to be comfortable spending that kind of money is certainly one thing. And that was marketed to Americans from and so getting rich people from America to go across, you know, the Atlantic. And then in third class, you had immigrants from Eastern Europe that were trying to get to the new world and paid a lot less. And so as a classic example, you know, they had those grates where you see in the movie is true. They had those grates between them so that they didn't intermingle because it's hard to serve two different segments of customers in the same footprint. And then when the ship started to sink, nobody knew how to undo the gates. And so the highest percent of passengers were in that third class and the highest percent of deaths above and beyond that was also in that third class. So it's like a, a terrible marketing debt, right? The worst of all possible marketing debts. 
<laughs> and and we are big fans of the lean startup kind of methodology and approach. Um, but when you are constantly pivoting or, or changing direction, that's when you particularly incur potentially these these hidden debts. So we see these startups that are, are you know pivoting, trying to find proof of concept, trying to find product market fit, and that's the right approach to take take it iteratively. But you have to recognize that each time you brand yourself to a certain market as solving a certain problem, and then you change direction, you've incurred marketing debts that you need to overcome. It's not just you start with a clean slate. You start with uh, these these you know perceptions uh, about what you do or who you are, uh, and you've decided to move in a new direction. One of my favorites uh, is a venture we saw pitch um, at one point that was a fuel additive, and then about eighteen months later they were pitching as a food additive that uh, had nutritional benefit. Uh, you know, with the same brand and to roughly the same audience, and that's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a great a great example and to be clear you have to have debts right yeah. nobody can grow without debts and that's mm -hmm. we're not saying don't have debts we're saying think about what debts you have and plan for them just like technical debts they have to be overcome at some point it's just when is the right time to focus on them so as you're starting out an organization, right, you have a small group of people, you have a few ideas, you're trying to get to minimal viable product MVP, right, you're trying to grow. And there is a lot of pivoting going on. And then as you grow, you have more people, more influences, more ideas, more attempts. D does the problem become more complicated as you try to scale? Is it, is, is it exponential as far as taking on these potential debts? Um. I, I think there's very much of a staged phenomenon there that, you know, if you think about and, and most people associate like the highest risk and the most uncertainty is at the very beginning. And then we we love slash hate to hear particularly investors talk about, oh, and this has been de-risked because, you know, it's been through. And, and the reality is, as you're suggesting, by the time you start taking investor money and you're making payroll, those are those are more than just hidden debts, right? Those are pretty clear expectations and, and monthly checks that you have to write. Uh, so as you start to get a more complex organization uh, and you're managing simultaneously trying to build and, and revise product, uh, build new features, hire the sales and marketing team and the, the engineers to drive that growth, raise additional funds, et cetera, it does get much more complex, but you have solved some of the uncertainties that you face early on in terms of, again, hopefully finding product market fit, that MVP, but then systematically expanding from there uh, in a strategic way to kind of limit the additional hidden debts you're taking on uh, is something that firms need to do as part of navigating uncertainty. Uh, and not every startup does that. They, they kind of rush to raising more money and trying to do everything uh, following some initial traction. When's the right time to think about this? Is this before your first pitch meeting? I mean, a lot of the people that listen to this actually already have, are, are, are in organizations, right? So they don't have the uh, um, the benefit of having like a truly, you know, greenfield. Uh, and is it an iterative process where you're constantly thinking about, okay, wh where's the next iceberg? How do you approach this? You, you, you've seen a lot of organizations, obviously you've, you've in, in your roles, uh, in academia, you, you've you've touched on this a lot. And what do you find works best? 
Yeah, so we've had the pleasure of having a number of people reach out to us that they're using our book, you know. And so, yes, it can be really helpful at the very start. One of the things that we do in the book, there's 32 of these iceberg, you know, debtbergs, we call them, uh, that we identify. And we also lay out that they do change depending on the stage of the venture. So there's some issues that are more prevalent early on prior to product market fit. And then there are some issues that are more prevalent um, and that scale up. And, and yes, that does mean that you need to be constantly looking at and thinking about what are the hidden debts that we've taken on and the nature of those debts will change over time. And they exist in small companies and they exist in large companies. I mean, we are part of innovators at the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. And I mean, we sometimes have these same conversations about the choices we're making with our strategies and what debts are we taking on and how are we going to mitigate them? That was actually part of our proof of concept was having these early readers of the book or some of the chapters come back and say, well, where were you two or three years ago? Because <laughs> I already hit those icebergs. I'm dealing with the, the, the holes in the side of the boat. Um, but, you know, in our experience, it's very rare to have a one shot innovator that that has their one thing. And that's what they do for the rest of their lives. These uh, most people continue to have additional ideas, move on to new startups, whether they're starting it themselves or, or joining others. Uh, and while, yes, the, the school of hard knocks and, and experience is a wonderful teacher, we still think you can soften some of those blows through education, uh, through listening to podcasts like yours, uh, so that you can better anticipate and, and mitigate uh, the negative effects of of hitting some of those those debtbergs as we call them. Um, so yes, it may be a little late if you're already up and running with your venture to address some of the early uh, challenges, but there are still more to come up. There will be, and this is probably not your first uh, uh, and last rodeo. So uh, use those lessons for the next one. That's great. Um, from the funding side, you know, from a VC perspective, right? What questions should they be asking? Um, ventures that they're considering investing in that maybe they're not um, that, that that really can, that they can help get their arms around is this organization thinking about are these cre creators thinking about um, these debtbergs? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things that we see and and again we do a lot of advising and uh, coaching of folks uh, in in this space, which is but the most important thing for sure that a VC needs to be asking is is this a problem? that's worth solving and is this a problem that people will pay for the solution right that's like the key to product market fit and in vcs looking at this should be also asking like how does this evolve you know once you get to scaling you know you're going to have to expand to really grow the business so you know as you move from the people who have the most urgent problem to people who have less urgency in the problem is this solution still going to work? You know, how how do we make that something that people want to pay for as well? One, one question I love to ask, and, and I think while we talk about, oh, we need to, you know, appreciate, embrace failure and fail fast, when you hear pitches, you seldom hear of the missteps or mistakes that the ventures made because the founders are, you know, don't want to tread on that. And uh, some investors don't want to hear that. Whereas I love to hear like, where, where, what surprised you? 
what led you to change direction? Where did you take missteps and how did you correct? Because let's be honest, you're investing in the navigation team. And to think about you're investing in a specific product or even a specific market that that product is is targeted to uh, is, is very likely to change. What is likely to change less is the team who's trying to uh, trying to navigate the ship through those those seas of uncertainty. So uh, focus and, and listen to what they've learned from their past failures and how that's affecting their decision making as they move forward. It, it, it's interesting. You, you, you talk to VCs a lot. And one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times they'll, they'll like a product, but if they don't like the leadership, they're not interested, right? Yeah. Uh, because the product will probably change. Uh, you know, as it, they go through the iterative process, the people typically don't. Um, so w- when you're screening, you're really screening for, are these the right kind of people to, to, to lead this venture? Have, have you come upon a few te- like temperaments or, or things that you look for in, in founders? Are there things that like, that really you key in like, oh, this is, this person has X and Y trait. I'm always successful with this. Yeah. So I have to just share a quick uh, aside. There was a product we were looking at at a screening a few years ago, and it was a really cool product. We're like, this could be an A product. And we're like, I'm like, this is a C team, though. <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, we would we love the product. We like to use it. And it's gone. So we're like a little sad because the C team never figured out how to get this product that we loved where it needed to be. Um, so I would say like the, one of the most important things that I look for is coachability. I mean, you have to be passionate and you have to have some conviction, but you also have to listen. And I've seen too many entrepreneurs where it's like, you know, you talk and then they come back six months later and they're saying the exact same words. And you're like, hmm, hard to believe that nothing has changed in six months. And you, you can't train coachability into somebody. So we love it when someone comes along and says, you know, I tried this. This part worked, this part didn't work. I want to try again. You know, that's like a learning oriented person, not this stubborn beyond, you know, all feedback kind of a person. I think the other would be kind of self-awareness of where they individually have gaps and need to supplement uh, through team and a founder and, and you know, startups that, that have solo founders historically, uh, evidence shows do not do as well. And one person trying to fill where all the hats uh, over time as the venture becomes more complex, as we talked about earlier, uh, is really challenging. So being aware of where their strengths are, but also how to supplement uh, their weaknesses with other team members uh, is something individually that, that we really look for. That's, real, that's fascinating. Is there an organization or a, a- um, you know, a startup that has adopted this framework and done really well that, that, you know, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of anecdotes, but there's something you can point to that says, you know, this just changed how we thought and approached our day-to-day business. Um, tell a brief story without divulging names, but we actually got a, an email through the website from the founder of a, a company here that is, uh, I don't remember how old it's established. And, he reached out to just kind of say, wow, I'm reading your book. I, I saw you at a you know local uh, Chamber of Commerce presentation, I think it was. Um, and we had a couple of questions. You mind if we follow up? And, you know, we actually monitored those things and got back to him. And he was like, 
holy cow, you got back to me within 45 minutes on a Saturday? I never hear back from anybody when I send blind emails. So that was like the first uh, kind of funny piece. But um, they were rethinking how to approach their market segments, even the people that they were hiring, the capabilities they were building, because they saw that they were heading down a path with uh, with some hidden debts involved. And we ended up going in and doing a discussion with their board uh, to kind of talk about where they were, where they were headed. Uh, and they've had significant growth in some new sectors uh, as a result of some of the decisions. Now, that isn't a de novo startup that was you know, embryonic. Uh, that was a company that was up and running for a number of years with a pretty experienced team. But because of that limited experience, they had some blinders on in terms of how they were thinking about and positioning their capabilities in the venture. Uh, so th those are really rewarding, whether we're involved directly or not. Those are really rewarding uh, kind of anecdotes for, for us to hear that people are making different decisions or approaching decision making differently uh, as a result of some of the ideas that we share. Well, I think Todd buried the lead. So they had an existing business, which they sold yeah. to pursue this new innovative idea, which they realized they had to do out of a new shell. Like they couldn't do it out of the old shell. So that they spent six months, you know, handing off the other business so they could put their their uh, their family and you know their team up against this new idea to make it successful, but we also have some a couple of serial entrepreneurs you know who have said to us that this has changed the way their board talks. That you know <laughs> instead of talking about de-risking, they're actually talking about debt mitigation is the language they're using. Um, so anyway, now that's wonderful. I mean. It's it's very clear that, that those individuals took a massive amount of value from the book. And I think anybody that, that reads that book is going to get have the same experience. Right. I, I think it's it's really insightful. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that you wrote it, as I'm sure a, a lot of uh, startup uh, people in the community are. So, you know, our audience, will, I'm sure will be very excited to read it as well. So, so I wanted to thank you so much for coming on, uh, sharing your insights. Perfect. I love to yeah. give one word of caution, which is we do know some people who are beginning to get into startups that have used the book and approached us. And once you know the mistakes that you want to avoid, it doesn't mean that you don't repeat them. <laughs> I mean, you can know what's coming and you can be like, oh, I've done everything I can and whack. I just hit that iceberg anyway, but at least I know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> That's And knowing is half the battle, right? So at least you're not completely blindsided. Uh, which, which is always good. Like, oh, I, I recognize this horrible thing that I've been trying to avoid. That's that's yeah. that's reassuring. Yeah, it <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. This is a great talking talking to you. Thank, thank you. Thank and you. Good luck with the podcast. Sounds like a a great uh, great traction that you have. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at the Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.